Hello, everybody. Welcome to In Darkness, the Light Still Shines. I am Barry Feeker, Executive Director of Topeka Rescue Mission Ministries. And I'm Jessica Hossman. I'm the Senior Director of Trauma-Based Initiatives in the Children's Palace here at the Topeka Rescue Mission. Welcome. And Barry, I understand that you're going to be talking to us about the beginnings of rescue and not only how the Topeka Rescue Mission came to be, but really how the concept of rescue missions came to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, thank you, Jessica. I, uh, as we're going off of the different stories in the book, In Darkness, the Light Still Shines, this is chapter four. Um, I was in Houston, Texas mm -hmm. in 1986, and uh, I'd been at the rescue mission three weeks, and I met this guy named Steve Berger. Uh, he was the executive director of the International Union of Gospel Missions. Okay. That was a big, it was called the IUGM. It took me a, a while to figure uh -huh. out what all that was, but it was an association of rescue missions that have come together um, over many years. I think they'd been in business, so to speak, for at least 70 years at mm -hmm. that point. And uh, Steve Berger, uh, came up to uh, us new directors and he said there is one thing that you got to hear right off the ground that's mm -hmm. how this thing got started mm -hmm. and so uh, Steve talked about this guy named <clears throat> Jerry McCauley and uh, he lived in New York City and uh, he was uh, around the turn of the century 1800s and 1900s and he was what they called a riverboat thief okay and so what that really meant was that he would get on these riverboats along the Hudson or wherever mm -hmm. and he would rob people and he was violent mm -hmm. and he was also a chronic alcoholic. Mm -hmm. And so Jerry got arrested and he was put in this prison called Sing Sing. And this is before rescue missions existed, okay? Sure. So there were probably things going on. People have heard about the gangs of New York. This was during that time. It was a very difficult time in American history. Uh, but uh, he, uh, Jerry uh, was put in prison and they thought because of how bad Jerry was, that he would probably spend the rest of his life and die in prison, maybe even get murdered there because of the violence that he had. Right. Well, the story went on that after some years, Jerry was walking past this room and looked inside a room and there were some men in there visiting. Mm -hmm. And there was a guy standing up in the room that was a former cellmate of Jerry's. Mm -hmm. And he stopped to listen to what this guy was saying. And this guy was talking about how his life had been transformed through the power of Jesus Christ. And so Jerry had a transformational experience that day. And so uh, what began as a quest to understand his value in life, his purpose in life, it wasn't to be an alcoholic, it wasn't to be a riverboat thief, it wasn't to be in prison. Right. But uh, Jerry started going to chapel services and got connected with some people within Sing Sing that uh, were ministering to Jerry. And if Jerry ever was able to come out of prison, they asked him a question one day, Jerry, what do you think God wants you to do? Mm -hmm. And he said, you know, it's rough out on the streets. And he said, some people like me turn to drugs or alcohol or to thievery to just get by. He said, that's no excuse, but he said, that's kind of my story. He said, I'd like to start a, a place for people to come to that would be able to help them to understand their value in life, to give them other options, maybe job, shelter, whatever, mm -hmm. but help them to understand who God is in their life. Mm -hmm. Well, fast forwarding that story, Jerry became so connected within that, he became the assistant to the chaplain inside Sing Sing prison. One day they looked at his behavior and how it changed so much and they said, Jerry, we're gonna let you go. And nobody would have ever predicted that, but that's the power of Jesus Christ in people's lives. Yeah. And so uh, the folks that had been ministering to Jerry from churches that had been volunteering in a prison ministry came in to talk to Jerry and they said, Jerry, what do you still think you're supposed to do? And he says, I wanna start a first homeless shelter hmm. in New York. And so they said, we will support you. We will get behind you. 
he didn't know that it was going to be called the International Union of Gospel Missions. He didn't know later it'd be called the City Gate Network, which right. it's called today, which is over 106 years old, I believe. There was no Topeka Rescue Mission, which is 66 years old today, right. and about 300 rescue missions in North America and some more around the world. None of that was sure. known. But Jerry went out to start this first rescue mission. And as he was progressing along to get it going, he met an old friend. And uh, I always call that old friend Al, alcohol. Yeah. And so Jerry started drinking and mixing it up again, which is not uncommon uh, for people who have been in a situation like that before, come out, all this freedom, mm -hmm. they go back to the old habits. And Jerry started drinking again, and he went what they call in the gutter. Yeah. You know, at that point, it could have been over for Jerry McCauley. It could have been, that's the end of the story, but those people who had come in and ministered to Jerry, they decided not to judge him, yeah. like, oh, he was just saying all that so he'd get out of prison, or he was doing the job just to make everybody think that he right. had transformed and those kind of things. They went looking for Jerry. And I remember the, 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 the terms was, they found him, they picked him up, they cleaned him up, and they helped him to straighten up. And so when Jerry got through that process of detox and all that, and those people there with him and, 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 and them helping to understand that he has great value still, mm -hmm. they said, Jerry, what are you supposed to do with your life? And he said, I'm supposed to start a homeless shelter. And so they said, we're with you. And so Jerry took off again to start that very first rescue mission as we know it in, in the United States at that point, New York. And he met Al again mm -hmm. and he started drinking again and he went in the gutter again. Now here's the test part of all of us is that what we find in this life and how challenging it is when we are looking at our own challenges and we're looking at others and we invest in those people and that investment doesn't come back to us, sometimes we want to give up on them. Right. That was a time for probably those folks who had come into the prison who had stood behind Jerry to say, no more, sure. we're done. And so uh, he's a phony, he's a fake, um, he's just going to lay in the gutter and die. Mm -hmm. But no, they didn't do that. They yeah. went after him, they picked him up, helping to clean up, straighten up, mm -hmm. and helped him get right back on target. The story went on, and this is really the, the key of the story. This happened, the best that we understand, 64 different times. Oh Jerry got up, got cleaned up, straightened up, wow. got back on his path to go somewhere, and then he fell right back into alcoholism mm -hmm. and fell into the gutter. That 64th time, can you imagine those people going out and look for Jerry? And this yeah. took place over a period of years. No rescue missions as we know it today would have started without a drunk. Yeah. Wow. But the bigger story is the people who went after the drunk, the people who went after them. And so Steve Berger, again, the executive director of the, of the rescue mission movement at that time, said, you guys got to know this story mm -hmm. because this is how you began. Right. And when you sit down and visit with people going forward, you're going to need to know that God is still at work at their life and you need to walk that walk with them yeah. because not everybody's going to get it on the first time, right. second time, third time. Right. Well, what has happened in my life going forward in these 33 years working at the rescue mission is that I've had people come and sit in front of me and they've said, you know, I'm a failure. I'll never amount to anything. I have no hope, no future. I just don't uh, know why I should live. Right. And my question is to them, how many times have you messed up? Yeah. And they'll say, well, I don't know. I said, have you messed up 64 times? <laughs> and they go, what are you talking about? So I unpack the story of Jerry McCauley, which gives them great hope. I say, we're here today because of somebody who messed up over right. and over right. and over again. And so we're excited today to be able to kind of unpack this story a little bit yes. more. We have a special guest coming on with us here after the break. His name is Ed Hyman, and uh, he's a dear friend. He works at the Topeka Rescue Mission, and we're going to invite Ed to come and talk with us 
about how God has touched his life mm -hmm. and the number of chances that God has given Ed and where he's going with his life today. So stay with us. Uh, Ed's gonna join us here in a moment for In Darkness, A Light Still Shines. This production is hosted by Topeka Rescue Mission Ministries, bringing help and hope through faith with its sleeves rolled up. If you would like to support Topeka Rescue Mission Ministries, text TRM GIVE to 77977 and start giving today. Welcome back to In Darkness, A Light Still Shines. Uh, we are just really excited to have a good friend with us here today. His name is Ed Hyman. Uh, Ed is, uh, we've known you, Ed, since about 2002, or I have. Yes. And, yes. Uh, and so we've just been talking about the beginnings of a rescue mission work and Jerry McCauley's story and just people not giving up on Jerry and his uh, difficulties he had in life. And uh, today you are in charge of the safety team at the Topeka Rescue Mission, and that's 24-7 of people going around and, and making sure that everybody's safe. And sometimes we'll have 220 people staying here, 300 people staying here. There may be people coming in. There are times when they're literally between both shelters and people coming in for meals. There may be 700 plus people yeah. around the rescue mission, and not everybody necessarily is Playing nice, That's true. Uh, so we have to have safety, right? That's true. Yeah, That's but true. you didn't start out with your relationship with the rescue mission on the safety team. No. Um, tell us your story, Ed. All right. So um, I'm I'm from South Central Los Angeles, and uh, um, you know I had a good mom, a good dad, but the choices that I made in life was you know to run around with some some guys that wasn't so pleasant. So I, at five years old, you would think that an average kid would be playing video games or you know, playing football or something like that. And I was running around with older guys, you know, trying to mimic what they were doing. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I got involved in gangs at an early age. I was about 12, 13 years old. Yeah. And um, and so, of course, when you're involved in that type of lifestyle, you know, you, you, you get in some trouble. Mm -hmm. And so I went through youth authorities and, and that was, you know, experience that I'll never forget. It's like a gladiator school where you see you know, a lot of fighting and mm -hmm. people making knives and sticking each other and yeah. just bad, you know. And then um, at 19, I ended up in prison. And so uh, that was an experience that I'll never forget either, mm -hmm. you know. And you would think after experiencing, you know, prison for the first time that you wouldn't go back. And, you know, I ended up going back because I would get out and go to the same negative environment. <clears throat> um, eventually, I, I got involved with my wife um, of today, Sarah Hyman. And, um, you know, actually I was on a run and, and I called a friend of mine who stayed out here in Topeka and I thought he was, you know, um, in Denver, Colorado. And, uh, he's, I called him up and, and I was in desperate. I mean, like I had to get out of there fast. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I called him up and I said, man, um, where you at in Denver? He says, no, I'm in Topeka, Kansas. And I was like, what's that? You know? <laughs> he was like, it's a small town. You can come out here. I'm going to send for you, but don't bring that, that gangbanging stuff out here. Sure. And so, you know, I lied to him and I said, all right, man, I just need to, you know, just send for me. Sure. And he sent for me and, and I came out and I was just like looking around like, wow, this is beautiful. You know, I'm used to the city life. Sure. Right. And this is country and you're seeing deer running across the street and, you know, red tail hawks and stuff. And I'm like, wow, this is nice. But um, when I first came out here, it didn't take long for me to run into other guys that was from California that were already rooted here. And so, um, you know, I got back into These that. gang members that oh, were yeah. rooted in Topeka. Oh, uh -huh. yeah, yeah, yeah. And from California, mm -hmm. some was from Chicago, you know, your bigger cities. And it didn't take long for me to, 
click up with them. So I was here a month and a half before I sent for my wife. When she came out, you know, this is this is my positive influence here. She came out and she was like, oh, my God, you're doing the same stuff you're doing in California. Mm. You know, I've been hearing about this rescue mission. Let's go. And so me <clears throat> immediately, I was like, mm, I'm not going to no rescue mission. You know, it's me being a man, pride. Um, and in California, you know, you have a, a, a rescue mission down there that's just off the chain. I mean, you got people camping out all outside. So I'm, mm -hmm. that's in my mind. I'm right. thinking that. So, um, but, you know, I, I had to swallow my pride because she gave me the ultimatum. Either we would go to this Topeka Rescue Mission or I'm going to go back to California without mm -hmm. you. Now, she was pregnant with my son at the time and she had my daughter. My daughter was young. And so uh, we went into this rescue mission, right? So immediately I told her before we got out the car, like, if they even look at me crazy, you know, I'm, I'm, it's going down. You know what I mean? And so she was like, stop it, stop it. Just, <laughs> just go in there, you know? So we went in there and I was amazed by smiling faces. Mm -hmm. You know, that kind of, I was, I was already, you know, amped like this. And yeah. then when I seen those smiling faces, it just awesome. dropped on down, you know? And so we stayed at the Topeka rescue mission for about, uh, a month and a half. Mm -hmm. And, um, but while we were there, about two weeks after we got there, um, some old friends came by, right? And so when they came by, um, they was like, man, it's like you're in jail. Come on, you know, let's ride. And mm -hmm. so immediately I told my wife, I said, I'll be right back. You know, I, I need some air. And she said, you better not get into any trouble. So I jumped in this car and they had some marijuana, you know, from California shipment that came down. So I was smoking with them. And this is when I knew that the rescue mission had an anointing over it. So we came back and I thumped the last of, of the blind out and uh, opened up the gate and I took five steps and my high went away. Oh my gosh. And when it went away, I just, I knew that was the Holy Spirit wow. and uh, I just started weeping and wow. I just couldn't stop weeping. So um, when I went inside the building at the Hope Center, my wife was like, what did you do? What did you do? <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, I gotta tell you, you know, what happened. And when I told her what happened, she was like, wow, are you serious? And mm -hmm. I said, yeah. So over there, they had a children's chapel and Gail Martin, you know, ran that mm -hmm. at the time. And so she told me that she was going to go and she was going to take my daughter. And I said, well, I'm going to stay in here. I got something I need to do. And so uh, I got on my knees and I surrendered. Wow. You know, yeah. And it's, it's been a life changing experience ever since. Had you been exposed to the things of the Lord before then? Yeah, I was I was brought up Baptist. Okay. I was brought up, you know, I knew I knew the Lord, but I didn't have a relationship with him. Uh -huh. You know what I mean? And so. Um, just like when I was in that life, you know, sure. I, I knew right from wrong. Yeah. You know, my, my stepdad was a Marine and my mom, she worked at, for the Board of Education. Okay. So I was raised right, but they were always gone. So I had all this idle time, sure. you know, to run with these knuckleheads. Sure. You know? So, yeah. yeah. I don't know if you would have an answer to this, but at age five, you said you started hanging out with older kids and by 12, you were hanging with the gangs and part of the gangs. What do you think as a kid drew you to that particular culture? Well, at, when, at five, you know, you, you know, I, I just wanted to hang out. I had two uncles, I mean, an uncle and two cousins, mm -hmm. you know, so I just wanted to run with them Right. and they were involved already. Okay. And so, um, you know, at that age, I was just being a follower. Right. But by 13, 14, now I'm a teenager and there's things that um, I've seen them have, vehicles, gotcha. um, money, you know, mm -hmm. uh, uh, girls, you mm -hmm. know. So 
I was seeing them, how the girls and all that was attracted to them. And I was right. like, whoa, so I got to do that to get that right. type of attention? Okay. Right. So, you know, that's that's what I did. Gotcha. And so, yeah. yeah. Ed, you uh, had this experience with Christ um, inside the rescue mission. Uh, he kind of definitively gave you an understanding of his presence because oh, yeah. your high went away, as you say, you walked in the gate. and. Yeah. And you did some business with God. Mm -hmm. And that was transformational for you. Yes, it was. Was it all smooth after that? No. No. <laughs> no. no. You know, I, I mean, I, that's a misconception sometimes, you know. <laughs> yeah. We, yeah. we give our life to God and, hey, it's just going to be Disneyland now. Oh, yeah. Well, I even thought that. You know uh -huh. what I mean? And, and I mean, just other challenges start happening. Uh, other temptations start happening. Yeah. Um, you know, so we move out of, out of the mission and God is showing us that, you know, just ask me and I will, I will you, you shall receive, right? Mm -hmm. So we get a brand new townhome out north and, and I was amazed by that, you know. Um, I put in an application before I left, you know, the mission. And um, so here we are in this brand new townhome, no no cell phones, no phones, period, um, brand new. And and the maintenance man knock on the door, I open up the door like, you know, what do you need? You know, what, mm -hmm. what, what can I do for you? And they said, uh, here you go, gave me this piece of paper and it had a number to call the rescue mission. So. I ran down there to the phone booths when they used to, you know, they used to have mm -hmm. phone booths, right? So <laughs> I ran down there uh, and called and talked to Mike and he said, are you interested in employment? And I said, yeah. Wow. And so now I stayed seven miles and some change way out there north, you know, and, and so here's, here's my mind frame. So I give my life to Christ, right? Mm -hmm. And I was determined I'm not selling any more drugs. I'm not running around with, with that crowd anymore. Yeah. So if they're giving me a job opportunity, I'm gonna make sure I get there. So I used to walk every day, oh. you know, to work. And um, and a, a good friend who's now a good friend, Jerry DeLacy used to give me a ride home every night. Thank God for that, because yeah. I didn't want to walk at night. Getting off sure? at 11 o'clock, you right. know, out there in the, in so the country. So you, you walked seven miles mm -hmm. to get to your job. Wow. Oh yeah. One way. One way, yeah. And and rain, sleet, snow. So, so wow. what I remember about that is I, I heard about this guy who had stayed at the mission. I think we'd run into each other a few times. Yeah. And now he's got a job at the front desk of the mission. And he lives clear out, seven miles away. Yeah. And he's so determined to get here, and he walks yeah. to his job. And you did that for quite a while, didn't you? Oh yeah, for some months. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and and when I heard about that, I'm going, this is right, <laughs> you know. And so the mission was able to find a car. Yes. Yes. And uh, and to help you to get there, uh, Jerry was there in the in there intermediate to get you home at night because how long did it take to walk seven miles? About two hours. Two hours. Because I was walking fast, you know. I, yeah. I would change, have my change of clothes, my work clothes, in my backpack. You know, I have a little Louisville bat just in case any wild animals. And and I would throw on that backpack, throw on my headphones, and I would, I would walk to work. But the blessing about the vehicle is that, um, you know, I didn't have to walk anymore, right? right? But, you know, what was amazing is that we were enjoying um, this beautiful Topeka, Kansas. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? You know, most people, they see deer and they're like, oh, I want these deer, hurry up and go by so I can right. get to work. Or, yeah. oh yeah, that's a bird, okay, whatever. Yeah. Well, we were in this vehicle driving around and, and I remember oh, we were on our way home from the store and a bunch of deer ran ran across, right? So we pull over and we're taking pictures Aww. like tourists, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> oh, this is nice, you know? So it, it was amazing, you know? and and. Because of of the people that I'm surrounded with now, I have positive influence. Barry, you're my mentor. You know, I've been my mentor for years. And and like uh, this guy Jerry in the book, you know how he fell mm -hmm. and had open arms that kept embracing him. Well, Barry did that. Yeah. Mike Foster did that. Yeah. Chris Penny did that. Mm -hmm. You know, so I have positive males in my life that I could go to. You know, when before I, all I, that, Ed, you 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 
weren't that familiar with Topeka. You had yeah. just had experience with Topeka Rescue Mission, and now you get a job. Yeah. What compelled you to not take the easy road and go back to selling drugs? I mean, you're walking for minimum wage mm -hmm. to work at a front desk seven miles, and mm -hmm. you did that for a long time. What drove you to do that? It was a, it was a joy. It was a joy. I mean, the, the joy was I don't have to look over my back and worry about law enforcement arresting me or taking what I've got, uh, what I've uh, obtained illegally. You know, mm -hmm. I'm working, I'm gonna work hard and I'm gonna get me a newer vehicle. I'm gonna work hard, I'm gonna pay rent. I'm gonna work hard, I'm gonna put furniture in my place. Mm -hmm. So my mind frame was totally different from the negative to the positive, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah. So, but you know, I, like I said at the beginning that I was on the run, right? So the past caught up with me okay. and- uh, That very car yeah. cost you something, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We, we want to hear about that because that's a turning point that you could have really gone back the other direction. Without a doubt. And so doubt. when we come back, Ed, we want to talk about when you got pulled over for a, for a taillight out. Yeah. And what transpired yeah. from that point forward that could have totally put this in the wrong direction. Yeah. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Thank you to Furniture Mall of Kansas for sponsoring the In Darkness, A Light Still Shines video podcast. We appreciate your support. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, we're talking with Ed Hyman, um, who is in charge of the safety team here at the Topeka Rescue Mission. And Ed, we've just been talking about your story of how you came from Los Angeles uh, area, California gangs, escaping that life, came out here and maybe hadn't escaped the life totally because it's here in Topeka, oh, Kansas yeah. as well, as well mm -hmm. as throughout the United States. But you had a transformational experience with Christ, and uh, you got excited about serving the Lord and began to walk seven miles one way just to do your job here at the mission. Mm -hmm. And uh, we found out about that and got you a car. Yeah. And mm -hmm. uh, things were just really going fine as you and Sarah and the kids were driving down the road taking picture of deer <laughs> <laughs> because you're in the Midwest here, you know, and yeah. you don't have that probably where you came from. Yeah. But uh, one night, going back home, uh, you're on Topeka Boulevard. And uh, the police who you had learned to respect in a whole different way, uh, by this time you knew that uh, the uh, the only way to converse with a police officer wasn't necessarily in the backseat of a police car. Right, right, yeah, true. <laughs> with uh, your hands behind your back. But um, there was a problem. You had a taillight out, mm -hmm. and they pulled you over. What happened? Yeah, they did. They pulled me over, and, uh, and then I, I ended up going to jail, you know, because I still had something to take care of the past I was running. You know, so, um, and I knew it was on, eventually it's going to catch up to me. I, I knew it. As, as a matter of fact, when they pulled up behind us, um, Sarah was like, Why, what's taking them so long to get out the car? I said, well, because I'm going to jail. She said, no, you're not. No, you're not. Yeah, I'm going. And then, uh, you know, they didn't just, it wasn't just one officer. So like three or four cars pulled up and then they arrested me and I go to Shawnee County. Shawnee County Jail is a lot different from L.A. County. L.A. LA um, has a lot of racial separation blacks over here whites over here mexicans over here so when you go to shiny county they just house everybody together right. so that was a little different for me for me but uh yeah i went there and you know my 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 uh my mission began and what i mean by that is you know um, i started having bible study in okay. shiny county you know what i mean and i never thought i would be doing wow. that but i mean i was leading it and then, um, so I was waiting to get extradited and it took them a long time. I thought like after 30 days, they would drop it and then I'll be, I'll be safe. I can go home. Mm -hmm. But they said that they would hold me as long as California said that they want to come and get me. And so 
Um, I think it was like 45 days later, they came and got me. Mm-hmm. And then they shipped me back to uh, Monterey County. And so this county jail out there was a county jail that I set off the biggest riot in their history. And so now I'm going back to familiar grounds, but, yeah. you know, I'm a changed man. Right. You know, so um, immediately when I when I got out of the van, I mean, they had the doom squad right there. Like mm-hmm. I was just a high profile killer mm-hmm. or something, you know what I mean? And uh and I talked to the sergeant and I said, man, listen, I know you're not going to believe this, but I'm a changed man. Can you please put me on main population? I don't want to be locked down. Mm-hmm. And I didn't expect any favors, you know, from him. But, you know, he put me in a felony module, which mm-hmm. was main population. So uh, that that was an experience. Yeah. It turned out to be a beautiful experience because there was more Bible studying. And like I said, how there was racial separation. Mm-hmm. Well, God allowed me to bring the unity through the races with God, you know what I mean? And and I couldn't have done that. I can't give myself any credit for that. That was yeah. serious. So that was beautiful, you know, so. And there was a lot of support, a lot of support from, from the mission and the, the people, uh, the guests mm-hmm. of the mission with character letters, staff with character mm-hmm. letters, Barry, yeah. you know, so. Yeah. yeah. You know, I think about when we give our lives to the Lord and like you mentioned, you kind of thought everything was going to be great and you thought everything was going to be smooth. And I think a lot of people think that, Mm -hmm. and then something really negative happens, knocks them down. And for some people, Mm -hmm. that's where the faith walk ends because it's like, well, God, if you were really real, if you really cared about me, then you would not have allowed this to happen. And it sounds like the opposite kind of happened in your heart. So what, what was going on in your heart and mind when you get pulled over, when you thought you were going to get released and be able to go home from Shawnee County, and then you ended up having to go back to California? What was going on in your faith walk? And kind of how did you find that perspective to see God in it? It was it was really weird for me because, um, I mean, I was really stepping out in faith. Yeah. First, I was like, okay, Lord, please open up the door so that I don't, you know, have to go back there right but then then it once the days kept passing by i started praying a different prayer Mm -hmm. like lord if it's your will to send me there then i want to be used by you wow you know what i mean so um i it's it it was it was way different than i've ever experienced Mm -hmm. before ever i mean Mm -hmm. i wasn't afraid like when, when i first got to that county jail you know some of the people that was there had remembered me and they were calling me by my old name Mm -hmm. so immediately when i got there they was calling me by this nickname that's no longer me right Mm -hmm. so um, uh, at first i was like you know yeah yeah and then it clicked that's not me anymore you know what i mean so i went to each of those guys and told them you know just call me ed that's my name you know what i mean and that took faith Mm -hmm. you know because i didn't know how they were going to react and at this point i didn't care you know so yes you you could have spent the rest of your life in prison in California, yes. because at that time they had a rule, three strikes three and you're out. Yes. You had three felony convictions to be able to clean the state of California up. They were going to keep people in prison and you hit that level. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but what was miraculous from our end of it here is that we knew your heart. We knew that there was a different guy here than what we think we understood about California. Yeah. Not perfect. <laughs> still not right. But no, God's yeah. making you perfect. Just like me and Jessica and others. Mm-hmm. But, um, I just happened to be the annual speaker at the uh, Shawnee County Department of Corrections annual meeting wow. when you were in California by this time. And um, Sarah and I were on the phone 
right before I went up to the podium. Yeah. And we're talking about, it doesn't look good for Ed. He may not ever get back here. Yeah. And uh, I presented your case to them. And wow. I was amazed at the overwhelming compassion hmm. out of the people that work in our jail here. Wow. What can we do to help Ed Hyman get back here? Wow. And so they, they, went, they went to bat for you from wow. a corrections to another corrections. Topeka Rescue Mission staff went back for you. Yeah. But I never forget yeah. the phone call I had with the district attorney in the county that you were in. Called her up. She said, "Nope, we're cleaning this place up. He ain't getting out." Yeah. And I go, "What yeah. do we do with this?" Yeah. And we sent letters. We sent a DVD. Yeah. We sent oh, yeah. everything oh, yeah. that we possibly could. Yeah. And miraculously, yeah. you came back. By the grace of God, that's that's real. Yeah. I want to tell a funny one, Ed, about uh, you and I one day. Is uh, is we've we've been through some stuff. <laughs> yeah, we have. Uh-huh. We've been we through have. some stuff. We have. And uh, just like Jerry McCauley, you know. God will clean us up, but it takes a little while for us to clean up. And you and I were having a little serious conversation in a conference room one day. Yeah. Uh, your wife, Sarah, was sitting between us, and you and I were getting a little heated in our conversation. Yeah, if you remember yeah I remember. Well, I had a spot on my glasses here. And so uh, in order to get that spot off, I went to clean my glasses. I took my glasses off. Well, you know what that meant to Sarah? They're going after each other. Oh, yeah. So she was in one of those roller chairs, and she went spinning back all the way. She thought, I do I not want to get caught yeah. between these two guys because this is going down. And I'm looking at her, and her eyes are this big around thinking, this is not going to be good. And I'm going, spot on my glasses. And you and I were starting to laugh, and that kind of broke the whole ice. So we're yeah. not going after each other. I'm yeah. going to clean my glasses. But that was kind of the kind of the things that God has taken us through yeah. in this journey. Yeah. What would you say? to guys, the gals, people who um, feel like they've blown it, what would you say to them today? As long as they have breath, as long as they still are, are alive and, and breathing, they have a chance to turn it around. You know what I mean? Um, by me working there uh, as safety team, now I get a chance to train all of our guys, our blue shirts, for us to be on the same level. and. One of the things that we have a meeting that I share with them is don't ever forget where you come from. Remember how you felt when you walked in the door as a man, you know, it took a whole lot of price while I'm to walk in that door, you know, but you did it. You know what I mean? And remember how you felt. Now, if the staff was, was aggressive, then you would be aggressive towards them. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, just remember that, you know? And so a lot of guys are are on that level Mm -hmm. and it's it's beautiful to see that, Mm -hmm. you know? So, You know, I just wanted to share this, too, that never in a million years through all the negative that um, I've chose to live as far as that lifestyle, never in a million years that I think that I thought that I would ever be involved um, with having friends that is law enforcement. Mm-hmm. What's that look like today? <laughs> it is amazing. Yeah. It is amazing. I mean, I've been <clears throat> asked to, to speak to the cadets before they're actually graduate and go into the streets. Mm. I get to share my testimony to show them the the, the convict side of it, yeah. you know. So um, basically, I share my testimony, you know, and, and, mm. and basically what I tell them is that uh, a lot of ex-cons, they, they get out, right? But when they are, are approached by law enforcement, they have to relive their 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 crime all over again because mm. of the way that they're treated. Sure. So if you want to gain the community back, you know, start with the children. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you may see a kid, you may be on patrol and see a kid out there playing football by himself. Jump out and play catch with him mm-hmm. for a little while. The parent, you know, it may be a, a parent that's involved in games may see that and look at law enforcement in a different light. Right. You know, so yeah. 
um, for me, it's, 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 it's been amazing. Yeah. You know, well, you've uh, been some law enforcement officers who have been there every step of the way oh, man. for you as yeah. well. Oh yeah. Um, who are your best friends? Oh yeah. Yeah. Without a doubt. One of them, um, I had a bad experience. It really wasn't a bad experience because God turned it around, but I, um, I was assistant director at one time and I made a call because a guy was refusing to leave. Mm -hmm. And so this law enforcement officer came and had me against the wall too. Like, you know, like get against the wall, you know, we got to figure this out. And I, I'm sitting there like, man, I'm the one that called right. you. I just wait, let, I got to figure this out. Well, come to find out that he was from California. So I can, I can imagine what he went through. And then he was part of gang task force. Okay. So I can imagine what he was seeing. And, yeah. and he had to be on high alert. I understand that now. One of the things you still have some uh, symbols on you that are gang related. Oh yeah, yeah. Tattoos, so, tattoos, and all that. Uh, yeah, and, so they all that didn't go away. No, uh -huh. so he looked at you. Uh -huh. right. Yeah, and but to make a long story short, um, um, we seen each other again when I, I was working part time at, at Vallejo, mm -hmm. and so we I was a Pierce outreach specialist. We were going to homeless camps, but we needed TPD to be there. Well, I was assigned to ride with him. Right. Okay. And so I was like, man, I remember him from somewhere. <laughs> and then it clicked where I remembered him from. And I was like, oh, God. you know, but he was really cool. And I and I said, man, um, I bet you don't even remember me. He said, yeah, I remember you. At <laughs> he said, after this, after we get through with this, can I take you to lunch? Oh, nice. And we were we were cool ever since. Well, he he passed, but uh, mm -hmm. he was a really good man. Nice. I mean, we would conversate Christmases and Thanksgivings and, you know, this. I mean, listen, if God can change me. He could, I mean, he could change anyone, you know what I mean? So it's amazing, yeah. amazing. The theme of our program here is in darkness, a light still shines. Amen. And uh, you've seen that uh, in, in multiple times mm -hmm. of darkness in your life. We all have, and uh, people who are watching this today, um, this is a dark world. Yeah. Um, there yes. are many pitfalls, many challenges. You're five years old. Yeah. You came from a good home. Yeah. You were raised in poverty. You weren't raised in uh, gang uh, situations like some people are, but uh, a turn yeah. went a certain direction. And it went from what could have been a really promising uh, opportunity for you into a dark place. Yes. Uh, but God was still there. And, and the whole process of this and has taken you to a place of light. Ed, you, you, you're just a great friend. Thank and you, uh, this has been a great opportunity to get to hear your story today. Yeah. And, and uh, there's a whole lot more to your story oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, than, than just this. But uh, as we close here today, what's one thing you'd want to say to people who are watching and listening today? That, that Jesus is the way. I mean, that, that's, that's the bottom line. I mean, he's the way. Without him, I can't do anything. You know what I mean? So just give him a chance. That's, that's my message. Just give Jesus a chance. Thank you very much. Yes. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining us today uh, in our program, In Darkness, a Light Still Shines. We were talking about the beginnings of rescue and it eventually came to Ed Hyman and his story. Yeah. You've got your own story and uh, what God has done in your life. And uh, uh, God is, is never going to fail us. Uh, but you said, give him a chance. Give him a chance. And so uh, we just encourage you today, if you feel like you're in darkness right now, give God a chance. And uh, let him show you the signs towards the light. And we know that uh, he will not fail you. He never will because he loves you. You're valuable. Ed, you're valuable. And the men and women you touch here at the rescue mission are very it's valuable as well. So thank you for joining us on In Darkness, A Light Still Shines. Dear Lord, as I read of your goodness, I'm filled with an awe. The same way you took Saul and Jerry's past and turned them for good, 
I ask you do the same with me. Transform who I once was into the person you created me to be. May I receive your grace and never fail to extend the same to those in my life. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Thanks for joining us. Our goal is to inspire, inform, and equip you to engage in the community around you. Join us next week for another episode of In Darkness, A Light Still Shines.